Welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show. I'm Andrew Slavin, and with it being almost the end of the season, we've decided to put a repeat of an old episode out this week. Yep, we'll be whinging about referees and telling you what a great job Steve Clark's doing at Kilmarnock. He's a good manager. He is a good manager. But hang on, there are a few things happening that are out of the ordinary. It's Shalom to Shinny at Aberdeen, Despedida to Dundee's Jim McIntyre, but could it be Hasta La Vista Hamilton? Plus, it's playoff time in the SPFL, and we'll be calling in Cove Rangers, the FIFA president's favourite Scottish team. Alongside me in the studio, a man who is truly multilingual, European football journalist Kieran Canning. Wanna start this? Alright, mate. And from the Telegraph, he speaks the language of love. It's JJ Boo. Hello. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Right, let's start the show with a, a cheeky stat. Andy Robertson could become the first Scottish player to play in back-to-back European Cup finals since Dalglish, Hansen and Steve Nicol. They did it in 84 and 85. Do you know, just 15 years ago, Andy Robertson was at school. <laughs> Unbelievable. Just, just 10 years ago. Remember when Andy Robertson did that tweet about having no money? It's never brought up. Yeah. That <laughs> is good, that one. <laughs> Speaking of Scottish football icons, Kim Little swore on BT Sport this week. Good. What did she say? She said she likes likes to put a tackle. Good. I always well, thought of Kim Little as the Jurgen Klopp of Scottish football. Did she check the time first to make sure it was after the watershed? Uh, no. Well, then I hope they shut the network down. I don't think she, you were watching Who is it that, play football. Who... Is offended by swearing on TV. I know you don't want to have people say like, "Oh, there oh, are stuff. plenty." Is that right? Oh yeah, there are plenty. In your experience in TV, have you seen many complaints about swearing? One of the best things I've ever seen was a National League game. It was at Welling United, and it was Mark Clement interviewing. You can see anything, I believe you. Didier Drogba. No, it was. Um, he was interviewing the Welling manager. Um, and it was in-game, and he just kind of asked, you know, how do you think the, the play's going? I think Welling had just went 1-0 down, and the manager was just like, yeah, do you know what, I told them before the game, just keep it tight at the back, and uh, everything will be all right. And the reaction from Mark Clement was like, oh, you can't say that! <laughs> and I know that's a terrible Mark Clement impersonation. <laughs> what do you mean, Zippy from Rainbow? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no! Yeah. Defoe let it go. Rangers get their just rewards today. Every encounter between Rangers and Celtic this season has been won by the home side, and Sunday was no exception. Goals from James Tavernier and Scott Arfield secured a sixth Premiership win on the spin for Stephen Gerrard's Rangers against the champions at Ibrooks. We're joined now by David Edgar from the Heart and Hand podcast. David. Rangers are ending the season really strongly. Are you seeing signs of a much stronger title challenge next season? Yes, with the caveat that it's a lot easier to do this when the pressure's off. And uh, I think until we win the games when there is that bit of pressure on the side, then people will be able to to say uh, but. But <laughs> with that said, um, the thing that Rangers have been crying out for all season is uh, a way to play through teams we seem to have found that uh, recently. 
possibly through necessity with Morelos' suspension, but now we have Arfield in a different position. He's linking up very well with Jermaine Defoe. We're going a lot more centrally. And the, the formation doesn't seem to be as rigid. Um, earlier in the season, we had a 4-3-3, and you could almost place on a map the coordinates of where each player would be. Uh, it seems to have uh, become a lot more fluid. And I think a large part of that is due to Stephen Davis uh, getting up to speed and now looking like what he is, which is a Premiership player playing in Scotland. Do you think it was um, a lot to do with the tactical setup between the managers or at its base, was it just that Rangers were so fired up for it and Celtic were well off it? I was a little surprised at Celtic's tactics yesterday because uh, in the first half they went with what looked like just a plain old-fashioned 4-4-2, which, while that's thrilling to a man of my age, um, <laughs> isn't necessarily the way to get the job done in Scotland. Um, and it left us with the extra man in midfield. I think Rangers were more fired up for it than, than perhaps Celtic were, understandably. I, I think we had a lot more to... Uh, game from it than they did however I would balance that by saying you know they wanted to kind of put us in a place which is understandable Uh, they wanted to show that they were the champions and I do think that Neil Lennon again I don't think this is a controversial statement maybe isn't quite as tactically clever as uh, as Brendan Rodgers is and I think we saw that yesterday Davis in this we tried him as a number 10 and it just did not work and now he's playing as a number six. He's offering as an awful lot because he can do things that nobody else in the side can do. And I think that Rangers are reaping the benefit of that. Coming on to something that, that no one else in the side can do, Ryan Kent was excellent again yesterday. Do you think there's any chance that he stays or do the signings of Jones and Hasty and, and possibly Stewart maybe indicate that he's not going to be around? I I don't think so. I think if we could get him even on a loan, it would be great. But the fact is, Liverpool can ask uh, an awful lot of money for him and Rangers can't pay that, whereas a lot of championship clubs can. And it'll be very disappointing because he's such a good player. Kent's the first Rangers player in years, I mean, at least a decade, that you can see that the Celtic team actually worry about. And you can see that they make special arrangements for... Uh, I think yesterday wasn't his best old firm match of the season, but Celtic had two on him constantly, and that allowed Arfield an awful lot of space, uh, which he took advantage of. I I, I just think that Ryan Kent has, has probably played himself uh, into a level of fee that, that we couldn't match, and I, I don't doubt that there'll be championship teams that would go up uh, to or very close to sort of £10 million for him, which is just not money we can afford to pay. It's funny that Rangers came all fired into that after Gerard went up to watch Liverpool play. I wonder where they came back with some renewed uh, energy and enthusiasm which passed off onto the players. It was a big game, obviously. I think Rangers have probably the best midfield in the division now, with Glenn Kamara, um, Ryan Jack and Stephen Davis all playing super well, and Scott Arfield as well. You can think the players they have means that they can control that bit of the pitch, and like um, David was saying, they want to be able to play through people, but they can control the game now. I think midfield. a lot of people were surprised at how quickly Kamara actually settled into the Rangers side. Oh man, he's so good. Like You, you think what Dundee had and couldn't get anything out of him. He's mm. one of the best players in the whole league. I think what you're saying about the midfield thing, if you look at uh, the game yesterday, you could argue the Celtic have better players, but Rangers are more in form. If you look at the likes of Encham, who came on, hasn't played well in months. Obviously McGregor Rogic, and Brown are very good players. Christie. But, but then Rogic and Christie, are, they play in that other like strata like it's tens whereas Rangers now have three straight 
midfielders who can play in a row. And they've been consistently playing together yeah, for yeah, quite a while, thing. haven't they? Whereas Celtic's midfield has chopped and changed quite a lot recently. I think it sounds like folk are getting around to the idea of Ryan Jack as well, because I know it's the same thing when he was at Aberdeen, that some people moaned that all he does is pass sideways and tip-tap. But they actually, you need that in a team to keep the ball going. It means you can build up better from the back, which is something else, again, that Gerrard seems to want to do. I think that we've quite often talked about Rangers games, and even in the past few weeks, about their discipline and things like that, but which has maybe overshadowed some of the really good football they've played over mm-hmm. the past the past few weeks. And that this performance wasn't a shocking or it didn't come out of nowhere. You know, there has been a, a gradual improvement. Even if you look at the last Celtic Rangers game, the way they played in the second half with 10 men, I think it's really interesting to see what happens over the summer now with Morelos because it sounds mad to think of the guy that's your top scorer and scored 20 odd goals this season but the team's actually looked a lot better without him and if there is any sort of offer on the table do they do they take it knowing that there is a risk there that you're putting everything on Defoe and putting everything on one striker at that age that's the eternal problem though for loads of teams isn't it because otherwise are you better as a team or are you better off having a player who can change games on his own I don't know what the answer is because there isn't a correct one well you do answer it with how consistent they've been recently without him. And you say and then... consistently it's... he's been sent off, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you can weigh up that way. Do you think Rangers should have had a red card yes. in this game? John Flanagan's elbow on Scott Brown. Now, I don't think this would have affected the game really that much. I just think Rangers no. were better um, in every department. By miles, um, yeah. Oh, they were, they were really good Rangers. But do you think Flanagan got away with it? Yes. Yeah, he elbowed him in the face, yeah. <laughs> it was interesting, Gerard's TV interview afterwards... He was so keen to like put over the point of how how he said good our discipline was, which seemed to be a bar back at Lennon because Lennon had said on Friday that Rangers have a, a big discipline problem. But yeah, they could easily... And it was such a moment of madness because the game... It was a bit like McGregor last weekend. The game was so obviously going in Rangers' favour, there was no need to put it at risk. But on one hand, it's quite good that they have that... I mean. It's not nice that they're lashing out and doing the things that I mean, what McGregor did was stupid and what Flanagan did was stupid as well. But to play in the way I think Jared wants them to play, they've got to have passion and no, show that, that, that kind of energy. That would be the case if they were like jumping into tackles well, and maybe over-egging it and going in too high. And running and chasing, yeah, yeah. But this was just like, it's a corner. That, I mean, the reason they got away with not giving away a penalty was because the, the ball, ball wasn't, in wasn't in play, so you can't give a penalty. Just not in play. I mean, I don't think the referee knows. I don't because it's no, such a split does. second. No, I think he does. Ah, but yeah. it's it's exactly the same time that he's he's nail him in the face. Like it's the right decision, but I don't think he's got it because he's totally unaware of it all. Well, it's one of those because watching it instantly, you you immediately think, why is it not a penalty? But then you, I didn't even, I didn't, for, I didn't even think that. Be, so, the, but I but, couldn't believe he's seen it. And for he's me, given then, me yellow. For me, then I feel that the referee's in control of that that moment. Maybe so. So I don't see why otherwise. You react on instinct, and you would give a penalty. Um, Has he not sent him off though? Having looked straight at it, what decision process is he going through? So if he thinks it's a coming together, the, the, I mean, the, the only we, thing is, and so I heard the the radio afterwards yesterday. They think that because of Brown's positioning, he's sort of standing behind Brown, so he maybe thinks that Flanagan's just kind of bumped him with his shoulder rather than and actually him a bit. rather than actually stick his elbow into his face as he did. Celtic fans can probably rejoice a little bit um, knowing that Lee Congerton has left Celtic. How, d- how, d- 
how harsh <laughs> on poor Lee Congerton. All poor he did was bring in players. You, you Celtic fans do not like Lee Congerton. You could, I did love the see the, the Celtic tweet that went out of you know Lee Congerton leaves the club and then just the replies and you know hundreds and hundreds and thousands of memes of you know, delighted fans. <laughs> yeah. It's not something claiming is this the greatest signing Rodgers has ever made for Celtic taking Congerton with him to Leicester. And well, I thought Leicester would do really well until. No, because their, their <laughs> recruitment's been very good. But... I was going to say, if you're if you're Leicester, you must be really questioning. They've signed such you know such an array of really good young talent. I suppose the argument is, do they continue doing what they were doing anyway? Because they're shopping in a different market to what to what Celtic were. Of the signings Crongertons took in, mm-hmm. what ones have worked out? I can't think of one. Silence is different. Because <laughs> looking through that Celtic squad that that Congerton has helped put together. And this, I think this shows the, the summer of recruitment that Celtic have got ahead of them. And they, so, they did want to recruit last summer as well. That was a big story, yes. remember? Well, that, that, the whole thing was the, the relationship between Rodgers and the board broke down and it all went a bit haywire. And then in January, they just got in loan signings because they knew Rodgers was off, even yeah. though they didn't anticipate him going as soon as he did. But I just made a list, a list here of like players either returning to their parent club or out of contract... So Timothy Way has already gone. Benkovic, Burke, and Tolian, loan deals at the end. Benkovic is highly rated, though. He's like high potential and there's player. There's a lot of rumour that he may go back to Celtic for next season. Good. Boyata, on, on loan. Yeah. Boyata, Isagiri, Lustig, Gamboa, De Vries, and Scott Allen. Lesser seen Scott Allen out, out of contract. Oh, jeez, yeah. Scott, De- where are you, Allen? De- Deadwood have put uh, Henry, Beaton, Ibui Kowasi, and Marvin Comper, one of uh, Congerton's uh, most famous signings. See, he's a great scout. <laughs> and then uh, unseen projects, Daniel Arzani and Bio. Oh yeah, but Arzani's another, another quite good player. It'll uh, come good. They've just got um, Schved as well. He's coming in in the summer. That, you've made that player up. And another one that Rod- Rodgers was delighted to get, which maybe what means it wasn't a Congerton signing. That's sure. right, because Rodgers uh, moaned that we've got enough wingers. Generally, Lennon has not played a lot of the lone players, so Benkovic is probably Celtic's best centre half based on quality but mm-hmm. he's just been on the bench because they expect him to go back to Leicester um, he was also injured for a, yeah. when Lennon first came in that would seem to suggest that, that Lennon was looking forward to, to next season maybe in the hope that he'll still be there but I think after yesterday and it won't just be based off one result but the mood music now very much is that Celtic will try and get someone else rather than, than Lennon permanently with um, Chris Hutton being <coughs> sacked by Brighton on Monday do you think Celtic no. might be interested no he's not won anything he's good at keeping a team at a certain level he, he won the championship right fair enough but, but Newcastle is keeping a team at a certain level actually what Celtic needs they, maybe they, they, and also they, Newcastle were well above everyone else anyway which is what Celtic are now well Rangers are, are there, thereabouts but he has got experience of keeping a team who should win up above a, where they and are. he gets teams well organised which might be enough in Europe I still think Celtic and this is still to be decided, are looking at Benitez. If Benitez decides to stay at Newcastle... Rafa Benitez? Yes. Oh, my God. Any truth in that? Or is that just oh, defi- your definitely, own, your No, own no, no, no. They definitely have tried to sound him out, and he is to have discussions with Newcastle later this week. He's out of contract, so yeah. it's not it's not like you would have to go through Newcastle. And I think Celtic are possibly hoping that Mike Ashley treats him like he treats all his other employees. <laughs> You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. So we're recording this part of the podcast a little bit later than the rest of the show. That's right, we stayed at the office late for you guys to watch that St Mirren 
game against Hamilton. JJ didn't. He went to watch some music being played. But me and Kieran stayed here and we watched it. Going into this game, Hamilton would be safe with a draw. St Mirren needed to win to have any chance of avoiding a relegation playoff. When all was said and done, St Mirren got the win. They needed 2-0 uh, to take it on to the last day. St Mirren deserved to win. We should say Hamilton went down to, to 10 men about midway through the first half. Yeah, it was. It was. I mean, the first half hour of the game was just a huge brawl, wasn't it? it that, <laughs> I was going to say that was quite. That was a quite entertaining part. Um, there could have been easily been three red cards in the first twenty minutes. Somehow, with Willie Collum refereeing, there wasn't. <laughs> yeah, know. We know that, you know, especially in a televised game, uh, Willie is not adverse to whipping out his red card as soon as he possibly can. But he held off until. A last man challenge. He let, he let a lot of things go. That Danny Mullen tackle on Ziggy Gordon when he just rakes his studs against his, his shin. It's, oh. it's horrendous, but I, I have to say, the, the reaction from Ziggy Gordon is uh, very <laughs> creditable and also quite mad. He's just as if, like, ah, I do that all the time, so I was, no bother, mate. Yeah. When you see the replays, it's bloody high. I don't know how he's got away with it. There wasn't even a booking for it. And then there was the other incident with um, Aaron McGowan, who had an excellent game. Wasted the ball in every sense. Yeah, he went he went for the match ball and Danny Mullins' balls. <laughs> All in one full swoop of his boot. Took three balls in one goal, <laughs> but got away with the yellow card. But yeah, the, the, the red card, I wouldn't say changed the course of the game. St Mirren were still on top when it was 11 versus 11, but after that, they had to win. Hamilton could only really do one thing after that, and and that was just try and hold out for a draw. But it, it, it was a red card in my in my view. Do you agree? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the last the, man challenge. It was um, Simeon Jackson. It, Simeon him. Jackson would have been clean through on goal, but I think when we were speaking about it uh, at half time, when you saw the replays, Goggett should have had a bit more faith in, in the Gary Woods to 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 collect the ball because it, it was quite clear of Jackson as pacey as he is. It was one of those as well, though. It was kind of instinctive. He has a he's a grab out striker. He's been turned. He's possibly not thinking or not knowing what's behind him as well as the recovering defender. He might get away with it, given what had happened until that point with Colin being very lenient. Mm-hmm. He might have been also. I mean, I, it's hard to process all of these things in the split second that the the action happens. Having said all that, Simon huffed and puffed a bit. The pressure was coming, but it wasn't like they were creating host of opportunity they were mainly coming from set pieces it was a huge bombardment from St Mirren throwing crosses in absolutely but but the longer that continued the, the, the stress within the ground rose as well the expectation that St Mirren should have been ahead and they weren't was piling on the pressure for St Mirren but it, it finally fell to Kyle McAllister on loan from Derby to put them ahead and it, it erupted yeah and uh, and a great story for him as well he's a Terrible injury problems, as as you've been researching. Yeah, so he's, he's. I read that he's he lives on a day by day basis, whether or not he can almost walk. He's got a problem with his groin, where it's like almost like his his muscles are in knots, um, which apparently he had when he was like fourteen, fifteen. And he just played through the pain, and he got a move to Derby, which is which is pretty good as as a kid. He's only twenty, um, and he's back up in Paisley. He played well in the game and he, he got the opener today with 15 minutes to go. Hamilton already down to 10, then went down to 9. Uh, Mikael oh, Miller right. yeah, yeah. got a, a nasty blow to the sort of sh- I think shoulder. Dis- 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 his shoulder. Yep. I think they ended up moving to, what was it, a 3-3-2? 3-3-2. <laughs> Hamilton were playing, it was nuts. 
with with Dougie Emery, who can barely run the length of himself <laughs> on for a cameo appearance. Um, but eventually, Kel McCall, uh, Kel McGinnis, sorry, mm-hmm. uh, sealed it in stoppage time, and it s- does set it up quite nicely because St. Mirren now go to Dundee, so you would think that there is a the possibility of them winning there. Hamilton hosts St. Johnston, so it's still in Hamilton's hands. Mm-hmm. But they would need to win. A draw wouldn't be enough now. If, if Hamilton drew and St Mirren won, mm-hmm. uh, St Mirren would be safe. And I think I think St Mirren's goal difference is St. superior. Goal difference is better, yeah. It's superior. So yeah, at least we're going into the final day with something to keep an eye on. So it should be quite interesting. Box corner kick, penalty. It's the challenge of David Gray on Alex Bruce, which has been punished here off the ball at the set piece. Andrew Dallas explaining his decision. Well, if you're going to give a penalty for that, you're going to give a lot of penalties in a match. Kilmarnock stay third with a 1-0 win over Hibs and are just one game away from their first top three finish since 1966. Barry Richmond from the Kelly Supporters Trust joins us now. Barry, you host Rangers on Sunday. Will Kilmarnock qualify for Europe? Well, I don't think Rangers are really getting to play for anymore other than to upset us. But at times I feel... Currently, that's maybe something good enough for them, right enough. <laughs> uh, they'll obviously be nobody happy about the allocation getting cut for their supporters, so this, their fans will certainly want to shout their team on a win, but whether the players will be quite as motivated, I don't know. Our players certainly will be, and the manager will have got them up for it. I mean, it's we have it as I mean, a bit of a two-for. If we can qualify this way or we can bite our fingernails and wait for Celtic to put on a show in the cup final but I'd rather not do that yeah so just explain this um, the allocation being cut for Rangers fans what's the story there well it's, it's, it's not really anything to do with Rangers at all or Celtic we're doing it for our own fans for next season They've just the decision was made a long time ago that you know the crowds were down and we needed the money kind of thing so we just opened up both ends and what happened was our own supporters with their family stand in there our own supporters getting you know, they started selling season tickets for games without the old firm because nobody wanted to come and watch the old firm and nobody wanted it. Nobody liked the hostile and atmosphere and that kind of stuff. So it, it, it kind of worked at the time. But we're getting back to the stage now where we've got a progressive board and folk who are looking forward rather than, you know, trying to run away from things. They've made the decision that if we can get some extra fans in during every game of the season, that we can afford to lose those extra fans at the old firm game and hopefully that will bring some Kilmarnock fans back as well because there won't be such an intimidating atmosphere and it'll be better for the players with the opposition fans just behind one goal like they normally are we're not going to fill three ends let's not kid ourselves on here that's not even what we're looking to do it's more more about just getting people back on a more regular basis If, if we get 200 more fans than we normally would get that's a moral victory for us because it's not about filling that stand it's about bringing Kelly fans back to the game on a permanent basis and not just in a one-off kind of thing. So by cutting these ones away and taking a wee bit of a financial gamble, it might pay off in the long run, and that's how they're looking at it. And it's great that we've got people in there who look at it that way now. Well, it's Kilmarnock's last game of the season, the last game at home. You want everyone to come in and enjoy the day, especially Kilmarnock being one of the stories of the season. And also, the potential of Steve Clark's last game in charge. Do you think that might be the case? Well, who knows? <laughs> it's one of these things that you, you, you want, you know, what I want to happen and what will happen might be two completely different things. I mean, obviously nobody wants him to go or anything like that, but we completely understand if 
somebody come in and offer him five times the wages and he wanted to go somewhere else. There's the family aspect in his part as well, you know. But for me, that that's how I think he'll be here at Nisa another year. Because when he signed his original contract, when he came here, he signed for two and a half years. So he made that commitment to the club and he explained that to his family and they knew he was coming away for two and a half years. So it was in their heads. When he, when he re-signed another contract, it was on a rolling basis. So effectively, he could leave at the end of this season. It suited him, it suited us. He got a bit more money, he got a bit more freedom, but we also got guaranteed that we were going to get some you know, compensation should he go at any stage. But originally, he was committed to the end of next season. And I think he's prepared himself and his mind for that, especially if we get into Europe. Do you think the SFA might be waiting until Kilmarnock's season is over before approaching him officially? I hope so. Uh, for, for a number of reasons. I think of the options that are on the table at the moment, the rumours suggest that there is McInnes, Clark, or some sort of internal candidate, whether it be Scott Gemmell or uh, Malky Mackay. Clark is the one that I would choose. I think he's probably the, the one that's most gettable as well for the SFA they'd probably have to pay more compensation for example to uh, Aberdeen for McInnes or more money to Moyes I think he's the one that would get Scotland organised enough that we could qualify hopefully for a major tournament for once and, and put up a good show um, so yeah if, if that is the case then it would make sense as to, to why the SFA waited all this time if it is to just to wait until the end of the season because there's another issue that the English Championship finished last weekend, which is a lot of mm-hmm. Scotland's players come from. Uh, the Premier League has already finished, um, and there's still no manager in place. So there's a lot of players there going away in their holidays who have no idea if they're going to be involved in these games against Cyprus and, and Belgium. So I think a decision has to be, be made quickly. That would require sensible planning and some sort of strategy. So that's not going to happen. Yeah, that's, that's uh, not out of the window. The thing with Clark, right? So he's 55. So if he goes to Scotland now, that might be the highest... If we say international level, international level is higher than the Scottish Premiership anyway, which it probably is, international level, if he goes there now, he'll probably be there for two, three years, it all goes well, and then he's 58, and he's probably not going to get a great job off the back of it because I can't see Scotland doing very well. Conversely, he might do very well. And then... no, but even You say he even just qualifies Scotland for the Euros, and they don't even get out of the group, they won a game, right? Yeah. Say they do get out of the group, I mean, look at Northern Ireland in 2016... And Michael O'Neill was then linked to Premier League jobs off the back of that. So there is the possibility for him. I mean, Scotland, especially outside of Scotland, where people maybe don't understand that we do actually have quite a decent squad of players at the moment. Yeah. People just see the Kazakhstan result. Yeah. think we're at our lowest ebb possible. So if he comes in and qualifies Scotland for a major he's tournament... Got, he's got to think he can as well, exactly. if he wanted to take it. But also Scotland are in the position of a playoff place into the Euro 2020. Exactly, so yeah. there, there, is, there is a big carrot at the end of everything for, for the next man in, in charge. For now uh, though, Killy, like, they finished in Europe. That's amazing that they've done that. And it's really tough to call this because you've no idea what's going to happen with Hibs and Aberdeen. So it really is, if Rangers can, I'd say, hold Kilmarn... Uh, come back and hold them to a draw which is more likely like a nil-nil one-none something like that that's it's, them it's like what you said as well they've always got the, the fallback option of given how hearts have gone recently you would expect Celtic to win the cup final in which case both Kamarok and Aberdeen qualify anyway yeah you'd really expect it to happen did anyone see the story about Paul Hickingbottom um, shouting to Alex Bruce during an interview he said Bruce was a diver with an expletive before that <laughs> 
I'm, I'm loving uh, he- go for it. Hickenbottom's outbursts of late. So a couple of weeks ago, he was going to remove a, uh, a, a fourth, in the face, a fourth yeah. official's teeth. teeth. Yep. And now he is like live on air, <laughs> <laughs> chastising opposition players. But, it's quite refreshing, but at the same time, he needs to be uh, a little bit careful what it's he's a saying. Bit, it is a bit lady. It's a bit fighty, isn't he? It's very uh, neddy, yeah. Especially when Hibs have. It's very Weatherspoons. Hibs, Hibs have such a history of. Brexit behaviour. Mild mannered <laughs> managers. Um, so, the thing with that, I mean, it was, it's, it's a weird one. It is a dive. Alex Bruce's post match interview is very interesting because he's the guy who falls down. I think he's next to David Gray. Yeah. Um, Bruce says that in the previous corner, Gray had his hands all over him, and the referee says, well, you can't do that again, or you're in trouble. So Bruce just waits for him to do that, put his hands near him, and then goes, oh. He does melt, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> he totally melts. Like an ice cream in the sun, he just falls to the floor. It's so funny. And it's... then he gets a penalty for it. But then, like, it's not... Just... Just because he's touched him doesn't mean it's a penalty. It is that kind of way, I think it was said in commentary, if that's what constitutes a penalty, you've got to give that every time. We moan about referees being consistent, but you cannot give a penalty for that. Oh, but I mean, it's, it doesn't matter in Scotland at the moment. It's just, it's just a, you roll the dice, you get a result, and then you award a penalty, maybe, <clears throat> or you send someone off. It was Mr. Dallas, wasn't it, the, the referee? It was Andrew Dallas, yeah. Yep. So he's handed that. That's not great. And that then puts Kilmarnock into position... Uh, it's only the one goal I mean they should have scored with Brophy uh, I think it was Brophy who was clean through and missed when he was one on one I think it was a really good move like a keeper played it forward I think Malumbu knocked it on and they were in behind the Hibs defence quite a high line they were playing but Brophy broke it and he missed close to the goal but um, that one goal is a difference and that one goal from the penalty spot could be what takes Killy into Europe and Aberdeen don't it's very important these things it's playoff time in the SPFL lads Championship Inverness are through to the playoff semi-final with Dundee United after easing their way past Air United 4-2 on aggregate. Um, we had Air Chairman Lachlan Cameron, great name. Lauren Shankland will be off, he says. 34 goals he, he got this season. And he signed a contract, didn't he, in about January time. So they should get a wee bit of cash for him. I think that contract was purely to make sure they get some money for him 100%. in the first place. Uh, the rumour then was that Dundee wanted him. Mm-hmm. Because they couldn't score a goal at all. Uh, could have done with them. Could have really have done with them. <laughs> My and God, yeah. Already spent money as well. A few teams that might be interested in him. I don't know. It's difficult because you can't tell whether some players are just suited to a certain level in certain clubs. That like things are built around them in a certain way, so they work. So Shankland has scored thirty-four goals playing for Air. But you look at Stephen Dobby, who's never really scored anywhere apart from Queen of the South. So like. You did all right at Swansea, yeah. Uh, yeah, but you know what I mean. Like it's, it's not though. the same. It's not the same level. And there's other players you'd probably get that can do it. That said, the way that Sam Cosgrove is the second top scorer in the, yeah, exactly. in the Premiership, I mean, it doesn't really matter who's up front. It turns out you can put a defender there and you'll be okay. But as long as you get the service in, you'd think Aberdeen would be interested because they've only got Cosgrove. Um, He's ex Aberdeen himself, isn't he? He, he was, pro- yeah, he couldn't get in the team, and then McInnes let him go. Seems to be a wise choice. His career's done well so far. But then you'll have teams coming up like. Uh, well, Ross County might want another goal scorer to have in their team, something like that. You think it would be someone lower on in the table? St Johnson, maybe? Cause, I, uh, I wondered if, say, Dundee United's come up, given how well he's played against them this season as well. Mm-hmm. That's a possibility. Like, a team that would have money enough to be able to, to buy him, probably, as well. I think I think a special mention has to go to Ian McCall, their United manager, for actually getting the best out of him. Because I think he was, you know, you, you mentioned before he couldn't get into the Aberdeen team. And it's, he was you know, a lot younger. Yeah, but it's, it's you know, coaches, you know, 
get players playing to their full potential uh, and, and hats off to Ian McCall for doing that. John Robertson could be managing in the Premiership if they do go up. So then the Scottish Cup semi-finals and I just saw they've got James Keatings from Hamilton. We may come on to this later on but I wonder if they don't go up Robertson's done such a good job at Inverness again. Hart's job? You reckon? He's been there before. He has. But he's got a lot more marginal experience now. And But does Craig Levine like him? Levine is on what they say in Scotland is a sugarly nail. Uh, <laughs> so I just wonder if that's a that's a possibility. But now he's done a great job. And it'd be a really interesting game, I think, between or two games between them and, and Dundee United, because people kind of assume Dundee United are probably the well, certainly the biggest club that are left in this these playoffs um and will come up but Inverness have caused them problems this season. So the first leg is on Tuesday, which might be today, uh depending on when you listen to this. And the second leg on Friday. Uh today is it, Tuesday, just so you know, in case you weren't sure. Is it it's not, is it? No, it's Monday. No, I know, but I mean I mean for the listeners, not for you. Uh, oh yeah, true enough. Watch it. <laughs> I can't tell you what day it is all the time, Andrew. I don't know where my days are at the moment. I'm kind of all over the place. I'm on a sugarly nail, personally. <laughs> um, in the championship, um, Queen of the South have got Wraith Rovers in the playoff final. My God. A relegation playoff final, I have to say. Um, so Queens are fighting to stay in the championship uh, and Wraith Rovers are looking to get up. That league's been great like for ages, all season long. I'm thinking how many teams are involved in that uh, bottom of the table bit. It was, it was been great. And speaking of you know Scottish football organisation, just as it seems to be working, they're uh, talking of changing it to twelve teams. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's 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 also in discussion. Why don't we get one giant league have like forty teams <laughs> with Fort William in it? Obviously. Well, oh listen, yeah. Listen, this game could have tons of goals. So Queens won against Montrose five 0 They lost the first leg two one, um, which was a disaster. Uh, and this is all the while when they sacked. Um, their manager Gary Naismith Smith, and brought in their old boss Alan Johnston <laughs> so it's all all go at Queen's um, so it's I think Wraith Rovers have scored 75 goals in 36 games and Queen's have got Stephen Doby <laughs> 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 so it could be chaos Doby just came back from injury uh, and he took his tally to 42 for the season in League 1 as well we've got Annan Athletic against Clyde in their playoff final the first leg's on Tuesday, uh, and the second leg on Saturday. Clyde aiming for promotion. Clyde finished second behind Peterhead, but Danny Lennon was still named League Two Manager of the Season. This could be quite good for Annan, who I think came into the, the division after Gretna folded. So when Gretna folded, Annan took their place in the Scottish Football League. So for them to get promotion into League One, that'd be a huge, huge thing for the area. The biggest story in the playoffs this weekend came in Aberdeenshire. Going to be a two-club city. Yes, that's right. Highland League champions Cove Rangers beat Berwick Rangers 4-0 in the first leg of the League 2 playoff final on Saturday. And we're joined now by co-manager Graham Matheson. Graham, the second leg is on Saturday. We don't want to tempt fate, but it looks like you've got one foot in the SPFL. What are you saying to the players this week? The With the football that went last week with the Liverpool and Tottenham, um, scenarios they had midweek I just used that as I spoke to the players at the end to say I know but it's still only half time we've still got a job to do and if you look at those two European ties you can see how easily it is to overturn a score so um, we'll be just preparing all week as if it's still nil-nil and um, just be going as I said it's only half time so we'll just keep it like that and prepare as we normally would 
you were the co-manager, but you took over in April after John Sherrin suffered a heart attack. Um, he was in the dressing room on Saturday, though, I heard. Yeah, John and myself are co-managers, um, and on Saturday, John came down. He just came down after the game um, to say well done to the lads and that. So it was it was good to see him back again. Just Even though it was just briefly, it was nice to see him there. It was quite a shock to, to me, because obviously I work closely with John and... We don't only work together; we're um, um, we're friends as well. So it's it was quite a shock, and it was pretty tough the next couple of days getting it across to the players. And I think I just think the whole club was in shock really for the first couple of days. But um, I think all the players and all the staff used it as extra motivation to to get us to where we are um, at the end of that tie on Saturday. And I'm sure we'll be using it again on Saturday as well. Tell us about Mitch Megginson. 52 goals last season, 49 this season. How high a level could he play at? I, I mean, if you, if you look at him, he could certainly be playing. I mean, we're hoping again the second division. He could he, he could easily play at that level and probably up above again. He's a he's a fantastic player, a real and a real nice guy. But he's work rate and everything about him. He's he's a fantastic lad, and yeah, I'm pretty sure Mitch could play at a, a higher level. Uh, is it fair to say the club feel ready for the SPFL now? Yeah, I think. I mean, obviously, this is my third attempt at it, um, getting up. So every, every time we go, or, uh, the both times we've failed, we've, we've learned something from it. I just think now with the club, with the position we're in, with the new stadium and the facilities and everything we've got, and as I've said, this is probably the best squad, the best equipped squad we've had um, to go into the playoffs. So... Really, fingers crossed, I hope, I hope we'll go ahead and do it this time. And you did say the other day that you would miss the Highland League a little bit. The social element, more than anything. The thing about the Highland League, every year I've been in the Highland League, it's it's gotten more and more competitive. And I think the standard has climbed every year. Um, better players, better managers, everything just seems to be improving. But the, the thing you miss most is it just... There is a bit of a closeness about the league. We all know each other, and after the games, we all we all tend to sit down and have a have a chat and that. So I'll probably miss that as well. I'm, we've been involved with one another. Well, I certainly have for ten years now. So yeah, you miss a lot of these guys, and some of them will be glad to see the back of us. I'm sure. <laughs> The weekend began with a 2-1 win for Aberdeen over Hearts at Pitodre on Friday night. Greg Stewart scoring the winner, his first goal for the Don since returning in January. JJ, what a goal. It's the best thing he's done since he came back. It was very good, <laughs> really well taken shot on his right foot. On his right foot! Don't know I'm doing that like that. Great detail. ISS 64 commentator. Uh, the first <laughs> half of this game was horrible. Like yeah. peak Levine football. Peak McInnes football. I was going to say McInnes and Levine is an oh, intoxicating man. mix. You don't want to watch it, honestly, ever. It's but we did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I watched this in a bar in um, in uh, Stoke Newington, and there was some Edinburgh man behind me watching it on, the, on his own. It was great. He was giving me all sorts of dip. An Edinburgh man. Yes. <laughs> Edinburgh man. <laughs> he's been up for assault. An Edinburgh man. Yeah. Was watching Aberdeen versus Hearts he game was, on Friday he was, night. He was a nice guy. Um, so this is also. I think the most relevant thing about this is that I mean Aberdeen are on course to finish in Europe if they can then get over Hibs the next game, which I'm not sure about. They've been playing horribly all all the last few weeks actually. Graham Shinney, he's off, isn't he? Well, apparently because he's injured, right? So there, I've <laughs> I've heard that he was chapping on McInnes's door before the game, saying, "I'm ready to play. I'm ready to play, boss." 
at the same time the physios are going there's no way you can play and they like feed him like tranquilizers <laughs> like he's the gorilla or something to get him on the pitch but I mean it wasn't great the whole game was pretty terrible second half was much better the goals were all nice uh, Hearts' goal was good as well um, did he start? Shinny, yeah yeah from the start yeah uh, which was a surprise to everyone he's going to Derby and it'd be nice to see him do well there be a huge loss for Aberdeen obviously he's the captain he's what everything's been built around but it just changes the whole dynamic of what the team is and Derek McInnes has to change what he does in the summer I was going to say on McInnes we could get the Scotland job we mm. don't know even if he didn't are you sure he's going to stay? I have no idea you'd take it the Scotland job maybe but if you think it'd be quite exciting to be a club manager and you've tr- suddenly got a training ground you've been waiting for forever that'll be fixed in about September apparently and then you've got a stadium coming on the way which maybe not quite as big a deal but it's a good job he's got and it might depend on what he gets done in the summer and if he doesn't take the job this time, if he's offered it, I'd imagine once nothing happens next season, he might go on for it then. But yeah, Aberdeen, half-decent in the second half. Lewis Ferguson is a machine. Well, he's the person you're hoping is going to take Shinny's mantle, aren't you? Oh, yeah. Well, when, it's, I mean, you can't really replace Shinny. It's just this weird ball of canty energy. What, what are the uh, Hamilton under-18s like? <laughs> It's always a gaze into Aberdeen's future. I think there's some sort of like flume built between them and Aberdeen new training centre. That's why it costs so much to build. Uh, hearts are awful. Yeah, I what the at, hell has happened to them? I saw a little mini league table out of the last twelve games. They're eleventh. That's how bad they Other are. Form, yeah, yeah. But two wins, two draws, eight defeats. They've won four out of 16 Premiership games in 2019. I can't tell if they're just dreadful or if uh, they just they know they're not going to get anywhere. So, and they just phoned it in. They're just like, ah, he's done now. Uh, it was quite funny. Michael Stewart called Hart's brand of football eye-bleeding. <laughs> it's horrible, though. Yeah, really bad for Hearts, especially when they're coming up in the Scottish Cup final well, against Celtic. If you look at that record... With and, no momentum. Yeah, and again, they play Celtic this weekend. So they play Celtic away, so unlikely to win, you would think. And then Celtic again in the cup final. And yeah, I mentioned it before, but if they lose those two games, I don't really know how they can keep going with this Levine project, to be honest. Maybe they are a few players short, maybe a midfielder, or I don't know, something they need somewhere else in the pitch to, to take them to another level and stop Levine playing them as though they are... Uh, I don't know what he's doing with them. Just two walls. Well, we, we've spoken in the past when when Hearts started this campaign, they weren't playing Levine style football. No, they were football, football that we expected. Levine, I mean, but at the, the turn huge, of the, the year, huge difference is Naismith there or not there, basically. So if if Naismith's up front, then they can play a little bit more football. They could play into his feet a little bit more and play off him. Whereas when it's uh, Ikbiazu, it's literally just punt it up to him and hope that he yeah. wins a, a second ball speaking of players like that you need to maybe replace and do whatever in the summer I went through the Aberdeen team to look what McInnes has got to try and do in the summer and assuming they want to play a 4-2-3-1 which is like his favourite uh, formation it seems to be there's no left back at all Constantine's not a left back but, but he's the only one there and he's 33 now I think he's in a new deal mm. uh, McKenna is pr- might be sold he'd be off that would mean you've got Devlin as the centre back and he's not even in the first choice at the moment it's, it's Constantine then beside him, Logan, who's kind of not is, is the same Logan he used to be. Ferguson will stay, he's good there. McLennan on the right, Cosgrove up front, McGinn maybe on the left, but McGinn's been pretty poor. So that means you've got centre midfield, um, attacking midfield, you've got centre-back, left-back. 
they're not going to sign all those players. I think, I think, I think we have to say it's it's uh, going to be a lot of rebuilding at both clubs and a lot of change going on. But um, St. Johnson secured a seventh place finish with a two 0 win over Motherwell on Saturday. Ooh. Yes, <laughs> uh, and digging a little bit, we found that the difference financially in these clubs finishing seventh or eighth. Is sixty grand. I bet I bet a sixth of that is spent on like a staff party or something like that. Yeah? Yeah. That's all right. You always wonder that when you're at work. Why don't I get like a raise and they can afford to pay this massive party for everyone? Just so like John from Accounts can fondle Rita. Rita? <laughs> Who the hell's called Rita? I don't know. It's made me think of Mambo number five for some reason. That's what that's what that song's about. <laughs> and the uh, and Finishing seventh or eighth. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's about that. It's about whether Tony Watt's going to stay. One, two, three, four, five. Uh, uh, yes. Buddy Davidson got his first goal since January. Yes, he did. Uh, this is another example with Motherwell. Same with Sort of Hearts. Once everything's gone, you can't really win anything, something to play for. Do you just stop trying? Surely not. But there must be a different level of determination in you. We spoke about these two teams in previous weeks where they were winning games, but we were suggesting that that was just a reflection on how bad the likes of Dundee, Hamilton, St Mirren were, yes. rather than them really being focused and energised for the end of the season. My little manager, Stephen Robinson, said that half of his squad are talking to other clubs, <laughs> which isn't... I mean, look at it two ways. One, is players in demand, so it shows that... He yeah, still got booed when he came on. Yeah, but on the other hand, it's not great going into the end of the season when everyone's sort of wondering... If they're going to be back again next season, I'm sure Mother will be fine when they plunder the English fifth tier again, um, <laughs> with all that Turnbull money they're going to get. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I wonder if Turnbull will stay because he signed that contract as well. Another player who's he'll be at Celtic to before you know it. You'd have thought, surely. I mean, if they're not already preparing bid now, they're just waiting for half a season for him. They'll buy him in January or or Rangers. Any team, I think, that are willing to stump up I the think cash. they've got a midfield now. They don't really need... That. I mean, he's a good player, so you wouldn't want to turn down a good player, but I think... How much do you think Motherwell could hold out for a player like Turnbull? Two million. Yeah. Uh, Kipri, they got a million, didn't they? They got a million from, uh, from Wigan. Although, thinking about it, if you Kipri. think, like, if McKenna's worth about six or something, that's, I'd say that's the state of the market, six million, and John McGinn went for 2.5, was it? I just, I just don't... I mean, McGinn was one year on his contract, that's why he was... Yeah, he was less, that. and Turnbull's got more, so he, I mean, if he was playing for a team in England, he'd be talking like 15 million easy to go somewhere else. Because in Scotland, it's like you don't have to... Look at the guy, James at Swansea, who I know he's, he's only got one year left in his contract, so it should, in theory, bring his price down. And he's going to go for like 15 million to Man United. So. The Welsh winger. Tumble's on it when he signed his new deal. It's a two and a half year deal. So they should hold out. I don't see why Motherwell should limp to a, a, a two million... When because he's, two million he's, to them is like their yeah, budget I, I, cover for I, I like he's nineteen years, years old. I think that's they a would lot be of talent. Delighted with two million. My fear is that they don't even get two million. To be honest, yeah, exactly. That's the thing. They need that money for it, like they, so they can have a better playing budget and whatever else with that money. But then they're not going to get anywhere because they won't have a, get to get a player in who's anywhere near as good as the boy Turnbull to mm. take them up to another level. So they're just stuck forever. Dundee are down, but they did manage to end their ten-match losing streak and win for just the fifth time this season. But then they sacked the manager. Yes, <laughs> what Jim McIntyre is gone after they win. What a weird time to do it. Yeah, I have. To, I should say it was a one-nil victory over Livingston. Mm. So they now reward victories with sackings. <laughs> Did he, did he ruin the chairman's coupon or something? Like the, final, <laughs> the final straw. <laughs> it must have been. It I, must uh, have been reaching. Tangentially on um, on Dundee, 
Have you been listening to Neil McCann's radio rants recently? No, yes. but I've heard of they, they are hilarious. He's, he's still so furious about being sacked about like nine months on. <laughs> and, eight games. And when, when McIntyre basically blamed the recruitment last weekend, he went on an absolute yeah. outrage about how... We spoke about it. It was hilarious. Go for it. But no, I, I think with McIntyre, it has sort of... Yeah, I've been wondering why is it that we do this well, we football clubs do this managerial merry go round thing where managers fail and then just pop up again somewhere else six months down the line. If you look like McIntyre's now basically played a huge part in the last two relegations because Ross County went down last season, he was there at the start of the season. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of people questioned what Ross County did and getting in sort of a joint managers who hadn't really worked outside the club before and they bounced back straight away. So it's just like why don't Scottish clubs well, use that sort of thinking clubs, a bit more? But all clubs do it. And the thing is, so certain, I think certain managers are suited to certain um, tasks. So some managers are good at keeping a team alive and keeping them um, above uh, the water. And that's what all their level be good at. Some just don't have what it takes to lead them to another place. It, it's not sort of dependent on age, but it tends to be the ones that are older are better at keeping teams afloat. So what Dundee could do is follow... There's this weird thing where the peak manager age is 51. That's that's your peak age for a manager. So that if you get someone like if you look at um, go to England again, Ralph Hasenhuttle, that boy Austrian guy, he's 51. Is at the peak, and that's why he's doing really well with Southampton. He's right there. You could get someone who's young. You don't need experience. Experience might just be that you've got bad experience. It doesn't matter how old you are and what you've done. Um, it just means that you know you might have done things wrongly. It doesn't mean you're going to correct it. But you can go with someone young and ambitious, like Alex Neal was at Hamilton, something like that, bring them up, and they are equally as likely to take you back up to the Premiership and then do better than you are getting someone who's just been in charge of a club for 10 years. Like It doesn't matter. If they've gone down, history suggests they'll the same thing will happen again because they don't have it in them to not make that happen. The list of people that are linked with him, Charlie Adam, <laughs> Derek Adams, uh, Jim Goodwin, hey. David Hopkin, John Hughes, Ian McCall, Kenny Miller. I mean, it's going to be Miller, isn't it? Gone tracking. Hopkins, a weird what? One. Where he, did that come from? He was linked in October last year when uh, McCann was binned, and he's linked again now. I, I mean, there's like, stunts. When I say linked, I went on. The, I think it's the, the Courier, the Dundee the Courier, yeah. uh, uh, oh, paper. Right, yeah. That sounds like clickbait. Hopkins, a weird one because we could have expected him to go on to much better things after what happened at Livingston, and it hasn't really happened. We have to mention Livingston. It's it's a shame for any Livingston fan that listens to this podcast. But they, they're always quite deep into this show. But it's kind of a testament to how well they've done this season. That they're, they're just comfortable. Yeah, they've just they reached that point where we're like, yeah, it's not fine. <laughs> they're fine. Yeah. It's all right. We've, be, we've said that a lot. Yeah, they'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> next. <laughs> well, that's it from us. We'll be back next Monday after the final day of the Premiership season where we'll look to dissect the campaign from top to bottom. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com and be sure to check out our other football shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audio Boom, and everywhere else you get your audio on demand. Mm-hmm.